Welcome to the weekly sermon podcast for the Wilmington, Ohio Church of Christ. We pray that this message will inspire you and help you grow closer to God in your faith. Be sure to stick around after the message to find out more about how you can take your next best step. Enjoy the message. Last Father's Day, my kids and wife pulled their money, went in together, and bought me an electronic tablet. It's about 10 years ago when tablets were just getting on the market, I had this dream in my head of having some kind of all-in-one electronic device that would hold all the books I owned, that I'd be able to write on, that I would be able to study with, and access. Even and uh, 10 years ago, the technology just was not available. But now it is. I, I hold in my hand a com- complete office, and it, I am able to write on it and, it, and it kind of feels like when I journal, and it does have uh, books on it that I love to read, and it's such a beautiful gift. And it even has the Bible on it, and it has uh, probably, I probably have 16 Bibles in this tablet. I just really, really appreciate it. And yet, I still use, on Sunday mornings, this Bible. And I, I want to I tell you why. And it's not because I think the paper-bound Bible is better than my electronic Bible. It's, it's the same. It's this picture that I get to do when I unwrap my Bible as if it was a gift that I get to participate in one more time. And every Sunday, I love this ability to be able to take my Bible and unwrap it like a gift that I get to give to you. I bought this Bible, or actually, my wife bought this Bible for me several Christmases ago at Ron's uh, Christian bookstore here in town. And I said, Ron, I need a new Bible, but I want it exactly the same. I love this ability to unwrap it on Sunday morning. And he said, Dale, that, that's just a version that they had that year, and they were trying something out. Most people cut that strap off. But I love being able to use this gift that God has given us every time we meet together. Today, in the passage of Scripture, we're going to investigate, we find that Jesus gives us two gifts that we get to participate in that changes everything about our relationship with him and our relationship with others. Would you allow the Holy Spirit to come in and begin changing you from the inside out to participate in the gifts God wants us to have? Let me pray for us. Lord, I I lift up our church right now and I ask that you would put our, your favor on us so that everyone within the sound of my voice and in the sound of this word would clear, more clearly see the beauty and the glory of Jesus Christ, how good he is. Lord, we are asking you now that the Holy Spirit you have sent that is indwelling us as your family, we ask that you would allow the Holy Spirit to take the scripture and transform us from the inside out to be more like your Son, Jesus Christ. We especially ask, Lord, that you would give me clarity in teaching what the Bible says. Lord, would you allow us clarity in the specific call to action that your gift that we get to participate in pulls us toward. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Today, I want to look at two gifts that God gives us in Scripture. It comes from John chapter 21, beginning in verse 15. And I believe that God is giving us a gift of restored relationship 
and restored responsibility. I think uh, part of the text I gave, uh, Jacob had restored reason for being, but I, I think restored responsibility is going to work better. Restored relationship, restored responsibility. Those are two gifts God gives us. And it starts with this story about Peter. We've been following along in the Scripture about how God calls us to forgiveness and to forgive others. We've been using the acronym SCARS, S-C-A-R-S. The first week we did the S, which is what sin is, what that's about, and we discovered in Scripture that every person has sinned. The next week we did uh, the C for confession. We did this little activity with the entire congregation where um, we got to stand up and confess whether we had ever sinned before. And wouldn't you know it, everybody in the room stood up. And I I think that was a beautiful release for some people who have been living with guilt, thinking that they, they probably were the one that God was mad at, and they couldn't maybe live in God's kingdom. And then we find out that everybody has sinned and messed up. And then we move into the A, absolution, where Jesus forgives us absolutely. We no longer are obligated to pay the sin debt that we owe because Jesus pays it for us. We don't owe anything because he's paid it. And today we're talking about the R, the restoration. And it's a beautiful gift. Sin has uh, forgiveness, has two parts. One is the cancellation of the debt. The other is the restoration of the relationship. And in this passage of Scripture in John 21, we see the second half of forgiveness. We see the restoring of the relationship and restoring of responsibility. Here's what it says. This is a a narrative, um, an event where Jesus is appearing with his disciples after the resurrection. Um, They, uh, Peter specifically, um, has gone back to his old career. That's where we meet him. And Jesus has breakfast for them. Uh, When they finish fishing all night, he has breakfast for them. Here's what it says in verse 15. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time, he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted, but when you're old, you will stretch out your hands, and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, follow me. Three times, Jesus spoke to Simon Peter with three questions. Why did Jesus do this three times? Why did he ask Peter this three times? Most everybody, including myself, believes Jesus asked John those questions three times because, or Jesus asked Peter those questions three times because Peter had betrayed Jesus three times. As Jesus was preparing that night where he was going to be arrested and betrayed, lied about, beaten, and then crucified, he was speaking to his disciples and he said, one of you is going to betray me. And he indicated it was going to be Judas, 
But Peter, who was always a little bit mouthy, always a little bit ready to say before he thought, he said, Jesus, I would never betray you. Boy, he was proud of his friendship. He was proud of his faith. Doesn't pride always go before the fall? He said, Jesus, I would, I would die for you before I would betray you. And Jesus said, Peter, before the night is over, before the rooster crows in the morning, you're going to betray me three times. And we have an indication of that over here recorded in John's Gospel in chapter 18. Simon, Peter, and the other, another disciple were following Jesus. This is after he was arrested. Because the disciple was known to the high priest, he went with Jesus into the high priest's courtyard, but Peter had to wait outside the door. The other disciple who was known to the high priest came back, spoke to the servant girl on duty there, and brought Peter in. The servant girl says, you aren't one of this man's disciples too, are you? And Peter replied, I am not. It was cold, and the servants and officials stood around the fire they had made to keep warm. Peter also was standing with them, warming himself. Go down a little bit further. Meanwhile, Simon Peter was still standing there warming himself, so they asked him, you aren't one of his disciples too, are you? And he denied it, saying, I am not. One of the high priest's servants, a relative of the man whose ear Peter had cut off, challenged him. Didn't I see you with him in the garden when Jesus was arrested? You were there. And again, Peter denied it, and at that moment, the rooster crowed. Jesus was bringing up Peter's past. This is really important for us to hear. Jesus was reminding Peter about his past, a very recent past, where he denied Christ three times. He reminded Peter of that by asking him three times, do you really love me? And Peter, can you imagine, as Jesus brought this past up, the kind of guilt and shame he must have been feeling. But Jesus wasn't bringing up his past to hurt him. He was bringing up his past to heal him. Jesus wasn't bringing up his past to shame him. He was bringing up his past to bring the shame out of him. We need to remember that because how Jesus treats Peter is how Jesus treats us. Jesus was bringing up his past not to shame him, but to bring the shame out of him. Recently, um, Ed Blouse, our facilities manager, has had a foot infection. And I asked him this morning, I said, Ed, I thought the doctor said, you're not supposed to be on your feet. Are you supposed to be on your feet? And he went, and I said, you know where liars go, don't you? <laughs> Wilmington Church of Christ. I uh, got to see Ed in the hospital when his foot infection was going on, and while I was visiting him, the doctor came in and started to cut on Ed's foot. And he said, I have to open your wound for it to heal. He was hurting Ed to heal him. Sometimes Jesus brings up, like a good doctor, sometimes Jesus brings up our past, not so that we get to wallow in the shame, but to bring the shame out and bring healing into our lives. Jesus was treating Peter gently, but to find true healing, he had to hurt Peter just a little bit. I think that's how Jesus treats us. And we want him to treat us that way. You know, just, just thinking about it, 
We learn from our mistakes in the past. That's just a, a way life works. In fact, a lot of times we learn the best from our mistakes. You know what's really wise? If we can learn from other people's mistakes. But I am so stubborn and dumb sometimes that I can see people make the mistake and then I go and do it so I can learn myself. But Jesus treats us this way when he reminds us of our past to bring us into the forgiven present. Because what does he do with Peter here when he says, do you love me? And Peter says, yes, I do. And he's bringing up that time he betrayed him the first time, the time he betrayed him the second time, the time he betrayed him the third time. Each time, Jesus is telling him, you're forgiven and I want you back on my team. This is how Jesus treats us. He cancels out our debt, gives us complete forgiveness by him dying on the cross, and then in his resurrection, he comes and he restores the relationship. He says, I'm not angry with you. I'm not upset with you. I don't hold it against you. The relationship is still open. I want you to be with me. And that is the beauty of the forgiveness that Jesus offers. He restores the relationship. He does it by reminding us of our past to bring us into the forgiveness of the present. And in the forgiveness of the present, this is so good, this is so good. We now know what to do after we sin. It's so important to do the right thing after we sin. See, both Peter and Judas both betrayed Jesus the night he was arrested. In around the same type of betrayal, all the disciples betrayed Jesus. In fact, when Jesus was indicating who was going to betray him, he says this. They, they were all sitting around the table at the, the, what we call the Last Supper. Jesus says, one of you is going to betray me. And they lean in and they say, Jesus, who is it? And Jesus, indicating Judas, but he does this. It's, 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 he says, the one who dips his hand in this bowl, this sup with me. They were taking their bread and they were dipping it in part of the, the Passover meal. Guess which disciples dipped their hand in that bowl in that meal? All of them. And so when Jesus was arrested, they all abandoned him. Both Judas and Peter both betrayed Jesus. But Judas felt like the only way he could pay off his debt, he felt like it was impossible to pay off. And he committed self-murder, committed suicide. This past week, there, we have three phone calls come into our church of people who had committed suicide that are connected to our congregation. We have an epidemic of people feeling like their only option is to check out. We have people feeling so isolated, so alone, people feeling so guilty, so shamed, people feeling like The only way they can help make other people's lives better is to check out. And it always is the worst decision. It is bad counsel to take that route. See, both Peter and Judas betrayed Jesus. One of them went back for forgiveness. This is why Jesus wants us to come back to him. He wants to give us the cancellation of debt, and he wants, us to, he wants to restore the relationship. He promises where we are unfaithful, he remains faithful. 
Just like he opened his arms on the cross to accept our sin, he now opens his arms to us to gather us in in spite of our sin. And if we're willing, if we go back to him, he will forgive us. The disciples were the ones that asked him, Jesus, how many times should we forgive somebody who's hurt us, who's sinned against us? And Jesus says, seven times 70. As many times as they sin against you, you are allowed to forgive them. This is how Jesus treats us. He wants to restore the relationship. So after we sin, it's so important to know what to do after we sin. After we sin, we run back to Jesus because his arms are ready to receive us. After we sin, we trust in his sacrifice. When Jesus died on the cross, he took our sins off of us and put them on his body, nailing them to the cross, putting our sins to death, paying the debt we owe God. If you don't believe it, look at the scars on his hands and his resurrected body. The scar in his side. The scars prove the love he had for us, that he died for us in our place. Go back to Jesus. Go back to the cross. Go back to those scars. Trust him. This is what we do when we sin in the present. He brings up our past not to shame us, to bring the shame out of us so we can go to him in the present and ask for forgiveness. When we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins. And he wants us to live in that new freedom, not just in the debt cancellation, but in the restored relationship. And this prepares us for our future. See, as we move forward, we stay humble because we remember what we've been forgiven. As we move forward, we stay humble. And when we interact with other people, we remember what we've been forgiven so that we can easily offer forgiveness to somebody else. Our attitude stays as one that is under the grace of Jesus. Justice is getting what we deserve. Mercy is not getting what we deserve. But Jesus gives us grace. He gives us a restored relationship, something we don't deserve. Jesus gives us something we don't deserve because he loves us. This sets us up for living in the future with Jesus. Debt canceled. Restored relationship. This is what happened and why Jesus brought it up three times. Peter, do you love me? Yes, I love you. Okay, let's go on. Let's move forward. Peter, do you love me? Yes, I love you. Okay, let's move on. Let's move forward. Peter, do you love me? Yes, I love you. Okay, it's gone. It's in the past. Debt paid ready to be restored in relationship. Let's move forward. Not only does he give us the, the gift of a restored relationship, he also gives us a gift of restored responsibility. Peter, before Jesus called him to be one of his disciples, was a fisherman. And I believe, I don't, this is just what I think about it, I believe Peter thought he was so ruined by his sin and so ruined by his betrayal of Jesus that he wasn't any good for kingdom work. But Jesus, when he restores the relationship and he pays for the sin debt, he restores also the responsibility in kingdom living. Jesus tells Peter, I don't want you to go back to your old job. I want you to do the job in the kingdom that I've called you to do, which is to take care of people that you're around like a shepherd. 
I want you to feed them the food of God, which is the Word of God, so that they know about the promises of God, so they can cling to what God is doing in the kingdom. I want you to take care of I want you to encourage the people around you. And immediately it started with the disciples that Peter had around him. And then it moved on the day of Pentecost to 3,000-person church that he got to shepherd. And then after the church was scattered under persecution, everywhere Peter went, he was the shepherd. He was the elder. He was the the pastor over a a group of people. And Jesus said, wherever you're going to do this, I want you to take care of the people that I've placed around you. He restored his responsibility in the kingdom. This is so beautiful for us. However Jesus treats Peter is how Jesus treats us. He has a responsibility for us to pursue and be a part of in his kingdom in spite of where we are in our past and maybe because of where we have been in our past we'll be better at our jobs now in his kingdom. Peter later wrote, and we have it recorded in Scripture, a letter he wrote to churches. And he wrote to the elders of those churches, those shepherds of those congregations. He says, you have been given a responsibility to take care of the congregation. We have great elders here who love to shepherd, who love to teach, who love to encourage. Dove Church has great shepherds who love to teach, who love to encourage. You know, Dove Church elders don't come and shepherd our church. And our church elders don't go and shepherd Dove Church elders. Peter was telling those church elders, those shepherds, take care of the people that you're around. You know, God tells us the same thing. The people we are around, our small groups, our families, we're supposed to take care of them. We're supposed to help them know what the gift of God is through the Scripture. We're supposed to invite them to attend with us in in this large group gathering. We're supposed to bring them into smaller group gatherings where we can encourage them and love on them and feed them both physical food and spiritual food. And we're supposed to hold each other accountable We're supposed to go to each other and take the Word of God and say, here's what it says, and I I love you, but I don't see you doing this. What's going on? How can I help? The hardest and greatest parts of my life are when my friends come to me and they hurt me to heal me. And they say, Dale, I see in Scripture this is how you're supposed to be living but I don't see you living that way. And they're not doing that to shame me. They're doing that to bring the shame out of me so I can live in the relationship of Jesus Christ that he called me to live in. As a church, that's our responsibility. As a Christ follower, that's our responsibility, part of our responsibility. Love the Lord and love each other. Serve one another out of love. And it's beautiful Because Jesus doesn't need us to do it. He wants us to do it. Zach Zinder, the preacher we received this sermon series from, he pointed something out to me I'd never seen before. See, I've always heard that Jesus doesn't need us, but he wants us. But it became really true in this illustration he used. There's a scene early in the ministry of Jesus where the crowds are pressing upon him, and he's near the Sea of Galilee, and the crowds are pressing. He's developed such a large crowd that they're going to push them into the ocean because everybody's pressing to see Jesus. And he turns to Peter. He said, would you pull your boat out? I'm going to stand in your boat. I'm going to teach from your boat. And so he gets in the boat. They go out in the water, and Jesus preaches from the boat. You know, it echoes off the water. It's so beautiful. All these people are listening. And Pastor Zach said, Peter didn't, uh, Jesus didn't need Peter or his boat. Isn't Jesus the one that walks on water? 
He didn't need Peter's boat. He didn't need Peter, but he wanted him. He wanted him to be a part of what he was doing. And so he said, Peter, can you row out a little from the shore and let me use your boat to preach from? He doesn't need Peter to feed his sheep. If God wanted to, he could open up our brains and put the Scripture right in. But what he wants is to to be a part of what he's doing in his kingdom. He desires us to be with him. See, with a restored relationship, he wants us part of the family. And he wants to be part of the family business. The family business of bringing grace and mercy and forgiveness and love and encouragement to everyone we meet. The family business of pointing people to the cross of Christ where they can know that they can be forgiven too. The family business of living in this grace-filled, forgiven life, restored in relationship and restored to a new responsibility in the kingdom. We have to keep living there. He doesn't need us, but he wants us to be a part of it. I don't know what your responsibility in the kingdom is, but generally, there's a general umbrella that everybody falls under. Each one of us is supposed to know this gift of the word so well that we can take it to our loved ones and say, here's how we're supposed to be living. What's going on in your life so that we can get back on track? So to be in this new kingdom, we need to read the word every day, a little bit at least. We need to spend time, if we can, to memorize it. We need to spend time, if we can, to think deeply about it. When it says meditate on the Word, it just means think deeply about it. David Paulison uh, was a Christian psychologist, and he started a whole Christian counseling network. He, he passed away a couple of years ago, and I'm so thankful for his input. When uh, I was called and asked to preach the funeral for uh, our church member who had committed suicide this past weekend... I found an article by David Paulson that uh, really helped uh, me, to the best of my ability, give healing words from Scripture to the family. In his counseling, David says there are two main ways that he says he sees people come out of depression, come out of uh, being hurt, and start living in peace and joy again. He says the two main ways that he's seen over time and time and time again where people have received healing, it comes from the Word of God and from somebody spending enough time with them acting like Christ in their presence. Somebody investing in them. The two main ways that we bring about the biggest change, he said, is the Word of God and somebody investing in them that has their best intention at heart. They show Jesus to them. Don't you know, in Revelation chapter 12, verse 11, it's been a theme verse of mine all year, that we have victory over Satan. We win by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. We're willing to die for Jesus. Well, which is a better testimony? Which is a better testimony? That church told me about Jesus. Or, that church showed up and helped me while they told me about Jesus. Which is more powerful? Our church is, is known, I think, is known for its generosity. 
praise God for the generous giving of our church. I mean, we, we have a reputation, and I think we've had this reputation since Art Merkel laid the foundation for this congregation of being a generous church, supporting missionaries, supporting Vacation Bible School, supporting uh, Butler Springs Christian Camp, just generous. And if there is a problem, our church has been so good at, at, at giving money or supplies. We're so good at that. And we are good at showing up to help people, but not as good as we could be. Because we're not known for showing up to help people. We're known for giving to help the problem. And sometimes people need Jesus with skin on to show up. Sometimes the expression of generosity that we need to give comes when we show up and we are present to make sure people know that they're not alone, to make sure people know that they're not isolated, to make sure people know that they have somebody they can turn to, somebody they can trust, that somebody that will maybe gently hurt you to bring about healing because they want to point out something that's going on in your life that you need to fix to get right aligned with God. And so this past couple of weeks, this past month, um, past two months, we've, we've taken work orders from church members so that other church members can be assigned to go accomplish those work orders. Because we want this thing in our minds, we want this thing our church to be a part of, that we serve one another out of love. And we don't just serve by saying, here's some money, I hope this fixes your problem. But we serve by showing up. In the last several weeks, that has happened because our our church is generous. And I think we've just forgotten how to be generous with our time and our, our physical bodies. And so we've taken work orders and we've assigned them. And, and we're going to celebrate what has happened, what God's done through our church on August 28th, Celebration Sunday, Be the Church Day, because we're going to talk about and give testimonies and show pictures of how our church members showed up to help other church members. And we served one another out of love by being physically present. I can't, that Sunday, is, I'm looking forward to that Sunday because it's going to be such a celebration. But that's part of the restored responsibility that Jesus gives Peter and in turn gives us. The same way he treats Peter, he treats us. And he says this question to us, do you really love me? And everyone in here probably says, yeah, I love you, Lord. And then he says, tend my sheep. Feed my sheep. If people really love me, they'll show it with their actions. I'm so thankful that God called me to Wilmington, Ohio, and Wilmington Church of Christ. So I've been part of this church for over 10 years, and I've seen time and time and time again where our church, our church members, has stepped up and helped somebody in need. I'm so thankful. And I don't want that to stop. I want us to be known not only for our generosity, but also for showing up. I want us to be like Peter is called to be, where Jesus says three times, take care of the people around you. I'm thankful that we're doing that, and I'm thankful for how God is going to keep doing that within us. To do that, we have to be in the Word, read it, meditate on it, memorize it, give it to others. To do that, we have to be in prayer, 
We have to set aside time to learn how to pray. And then as we get better at it, we'll be praying throughout the whole day. So we'll be asking God, what do you want me to do next? How do you want me to be involved in that situation? Do you want me to move? What do you want me to say? And we'll be aligned with God's will, bringing about the peace and forgiveness that he's given us the responsibility to give away to others. We have to examine ourselves. And you know, when we examine ourselves, especially when we examine ourselves based on the scripture, it hurts, but it hurts to heal us. Because every time we examine ourselves based on Scripture, we're going to find that we've fallen short and we run back to Christ. He forgives us, cancels that debt, restores us in relationship, and He says, I'll help you. I'll give you the strength to do better, align with my will. Now let's go help somebody else. And we have to humbly serve one another out of love. Our church is doing that. And yet, when we examine ourselves based on Scripture, are we opening up our homes in hospitality? Are we feeding the poor? Are we clothing those who have no clothes? Are we moving out? We, we, end up, we know we fall short. And it's like Jesus is asking us, do you love me? And we say, yes, Lord, I love you. And he says, feed my lambs. Oh, it hurts. But it hurts so we can be healed. Because we know he's restored the relationship with us. And when we unite our testimony with our trust in the blood of the Lamb, and we show up willing to give our bodies, Jesus says, we overcome Satan. We make an incredible difference in the world around us. We bring people to faith in Christ. The two gifts that God has given us in this scripture today is a restored relationship. That's just part of forgiveness. And a restored responsibility because he doesn't just forgive us from something. He forgives us to something. We hope you have enjoyed this message. If you need someone to pray with you, talk to, or maybe you just want more information about our church, be sure to fill out a connect card so we can reach out and help you take your next best step. Thanks again for joining and we will see you back here next time.